You're listening to Biz Souls, the business podcast with an edge, hosted by me, Rona Lewis, and Jeffrey Hansler. Tune in for perspectives and discoveries about the changing world of business. It's time to connect to the heart, soul, and humor of how business gets done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biz Souls. I'm Rona Lewis. I'm Jeffrey Hansler, and we get to the heart and soul of business and the people that make it happen. And today, it's Ricky Powell. Yay! Yes, uh, Ricky Powell has been a friend of mine. I know it's so surprising. Uh, I would say, what, 97.62% of the guests of the really cool people that we have on here have been people that I know. Exactly, exactly. And, I, and right, no, no shame. Because my yeah. people, the people I bring on are cool. They're just few and far. That's in right. He's he, he's much pickier with who okay. he hangs around with. There you go. So I'm going to do an, an official introduction for you, Ricky. Ricky Powell is a veteran of the entertainment industry. He realized his first dream of being an actor when he was just seven years old. After a successful career in front of the camera, Ricky began his next journey at the NBC Television Network in Burbank, California. Working through some difficult situations at work and at home in his 20s and 30s, Ricky became fascinated with the subject of happiness and how you can choose to be happy regardless of your outer circumstances. Uh, he began writing and lecturing on the subject and now teaches the principles that go into creating lifelong happiness so you can make more money, have deeper, stronger relationships and live longer. And he has and and he and he uses this as uh, in his work as a coach and consultant as well. And we'll, we'll talk that uh, about that as we go along. So hi, Ricky. Hi, Rona. <laughs> hi, Jeffrey. How are you doing, Ricky? Ricky, and, and awesome. uh, thanks for being with us after your flight nightmare last night. Do we want to oh. mention the airline? Uh, uh, yeah, let's see. Okay. Well, I want, I'd like to be American about it, so <laughs> let's just say that. Touche. Oh. Yeah, so you were you were traveling, and now you're home and uh-huh. comfortable. Finally, after a night right. out, yeah. an uneventful yeah. night out. Yes. There you right. go. So, so talk to us about your background. You were a TV star when you were just a wee tyke. Uh, well, TV star is it maybe a little strong language, but uh, let's just say I, I was very blessed to have really such a, an amazing career as a child actor growing up. Yeah. From the time I could talk, I just pointed to the TV and said, I want to be in there. You know? <laughs> and that really was kid talk for, I want to be an actor. And yeah. I was lucky enough in the first grade, became best friends with a, a guy, a kid who was on a TV series at the time. And his mom talked to my dad. It was Marco Page, by the way. If you remember, there was a show called Julia. Oh, Julia sure. with Diane Carroll. Yeah. Yes. So the little boy who played her son, Marco Page, his character was Corey Baker. Yes. He and I became best friends wow. when we were like six, seven years old. His dad helped me get an agent. And the next thing I know, I'm Bewitched is the first show I did. And, you know, just it, it just went from there. So were, were you ever a series regular? Uh, I was not a series regular. However, I, w- I had a recurring role on a show with Henry Fonda that absolutely no one remembers called The Smith Family. And Correct. Uh, Ron- I do not remember that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, two... <laughs> Two seasons and done. Uh, I can't even believe it got two. But um, and Ron Howard yeah. played his older son, and that was one of the that was one of the high points of doing that show. I was on about maybe five or six times, and uh, Ron even back then was like such a nice guy, nice. amazing to this day. He's he's one of my favorite models to use as you know. You don't need to be a, a jerk, an ass, a, yeah. a jerk. <laughs> what you fill in right. the blank here? You don't need to be that to succeed yeah. in this right. business yeah. or in that business. So yeah. was it? Were these? East 
East Coast connections or West Coast? West Coast. West Coast connections. So LA area, Hollyweird. Yeah. That yeah. whole thing. I grew up in what was affectionately known as the slums of Beverly Hills. Okay. And that, I don't, another movie that was made, I don't know if you're familiar with the title, but there was a movie called The Slums of Beverly Hills. Yeah. So where is that officially? Rosita? It, it was written and directed by uh, an elementary school friend, uh, Tammy Jenkins. Oh, and how funny. So I lived two blocks east of La Cienega and one block Was... south of Wilshire. So right across Got from it. La Cienega Park. Got it. Got it. Oh, I know so exactly maybe... where that is. Yeah. 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 So like, which is still a lovely area. <laughs> it is a very lovely area. In fact, you know, they're constantly upgrading my childhood duplex where uh, my grandparents lived upstairs. We lived downstairs is now the driveway of a condo building. Oh, oh there you go. There you... <laughs> yes, it has changed a lot, hasn't it? I thought you were going to say it's a penthouse. It's a, it's a 30 story penthouse now. There you yeah, go. no, it's a probably a four story condo building, but my particular home is now a driveway. It's now so. a driveway. Uh, there you yes. go. There you go. Well, it gets yeah. a lot of sun. Yeah. So. Well, so it's always moving, just like you. That's right. That's right. So next step, and then you went into the corporate side of the entertainment industry, right? Yes. Uh, moved behind the camera because when things started slowing down, I worked a lot from like seven to 15 ish or so, and then things slowed down. Last two things I did, I had one line in the movie Airplane 2, and then uh, was in Tom Cruise's second movie called Losing It, another blockbuster that no one's heard of. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to have worked with him prior to him ever even being on screen because Taps was his first one. It hadn't been released right, yet. Right. Anyway, yeah, in, in college, I switched from theater to radio, TV, film, and then through another best friend that I, that I made in high school and college, he was like the brother I never had. He got a job immediately after we graduated on It's a Living with Angelian. The production company was with Thomas Harris. So they did Soap and Benson in the 70s right. and then went on to the Golden Girls who you the picture in the right. notice yes. behind me. Uh -huh. Yes. So I got a job there thanks to him and spent five years working my way up from Post Runner where I was delivering the show on one inch to NBC every week as a runner. Right. And then five years later, I was viewing the show as a client, as the post-production manager. And then I ended up leaving the Golden Girls and going full time at NBC where I spent the next 25 years putting every comedy drama reality show on the air. Yeah, wow. and that and we met while you were doing that job. Yes. Yep. So, so that was kind of cool. Ricky, what kind of technical skills did you pick up there? Did you get into the editing or get into the you, behind literally behind the camera? Right, great. Great question, Jeffrey. So yeah, I picked up all of those skills, a hundred percent of them just about while I was there. So <clears throat> I went from being a post runner to being an editorial assistant. So I would spend twelve to sixteen hours a day in the edit bay with the editor, you know, taking notes, executing everything, putting the all the cuts together. We go screen them, go do a second cut, a third cut, and learn so much about post-production while I was there. I have to say, it, it was the greatest company for that because it was like, every show was like surgery, right? Yeah. right? What it took to, to to produce that amazing show. Of course, every aspect, the writing, directing, the stars were shining, um, but then the post-process, you know, carried it home. It, right. was, it was great. Yeah, people don't don't realize what goes on behind the scenes. It's it's amazing. Well, the, and yeah. the accuracy that they know. And without running, uh, jumping forward, just just those skills now translate so much in because we're so much independent video editing. And I mean, I've had to learn from scratch. So you had to run mm -hmm. and start on all that stuff. Yeah. So. And what's exciting to me now is even though there's probably more competition out there than ever before, at the same time, there are no limits anymore. Yeah. Right. Because in other words, what used to take millions of dollars in equipment, you know, there was such a price barrier and everything. And now today it, it's all in here. Right. Like uh -huh. the, right. for the creatives out there, the sky's the limit. Correct. Really? Yeah, yeah I agree. 
Yeah, that's great. So, and then, so, so how did you get into the happiness business? Well, funny you should ask, Rhoda. Okay, <laughs> it's amazing. Just, I just, just I, off the top of my head. How did you do that? There's I a transition. Am so good There's a transition. You know, I'll, I'll tell you that I, I believe really that everything happens for a reason. Right. And so what happened is my first nine years at NBC, that's a long time, uh, were very challenging because of this sociopath I was working with. Okay. And he made things very difficult. Difficult, and it was uh, almost in a way like a Twilight Zone episode to the point where that is what drove me to pick up my first book on the subject of happiness by Dennis Prager called Happiness is a Serious Problem. And it was so compelling and I found it so interesting that I became fascinated with it. Of course, this guy wanted nothing to do with it. I picked it up to try and help him, but really also, of course, help myself through it. Sure. And I just, I ended up reading every book on the topic, listening to every program. I, I wrote my own book called Happiness Rocks. I have that thing. Um, And I started practicing what I preach. And I just took a deep dive into positive psychology, NLP, all of that. And it has just, it's been a godsend and a a lifesaver my whole life. So how do you define happiness? Like, what is it exactly? Well, I I guess it's not an exact science, but... It it, it is and it isn't, Rona. It's so interesting you you would use that expression because there is the science of happiness. There's, it's a whole industry unto itself. And there are certain principles that we can learn that have been around for the ages that just don't change. The trick is, you know, and how do you define happiness? The the beautiful part about happiness is there are as many answers to that question and ways to happiness as there are people on the planet because uh-huh. it's different for, for all of us, right? But there are certain anchors like a sense of purpose and meaning and just being fulfilled and feeling like you're making a difference. And then, of course, there are the things we may want, you know, but there was a documentary called Happy with Marcy Shymoff, who uh, wrote a book called Happy for No Reason. And I know, she was, yeah, um, I know, I know of Marcy Shymoff, and I can't remember if I read it or not. Yeah, you know, she's because she wrote uh, Chicken Soup for the Women's Soul. She was uh, wonderful enough to give me an endorsement that I have on the cover of my book. Right. A wonderful lady. And, you know, she mentioned in her book that when the Declaration of Independence was written and they talked about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the word pursuit back then meant something different. It didn't really mean to pursue or to chase, but it meant to practice. Hmm. And so when they said the pursuit of happiness, it was just to just practice being happy. And it's a daily practice. People may not even be aware of that, but there are certain tweaks and things we can do, tools we can use to help us get to that point where it's happiness is sort of when we're at the peaks, but we all know, you know, life is a roller coaster. And when we're in the valleys, we need that inner peace to get us to the next peak. Yeah. And it's all tied together. Yeah. And I, and I know, you know, there's, a lot of positive psychology that that goes into play as well. And I I know that that or at least I have heard that happiness is a choice. Mm -hmm. So can you talk more about that? What does that really mean? To me, it means and I believe that a a, a thousand percent happiness really is a choice because so they break it down like 50 percent is inherited. They they say that we have this happiness set point, Mm -hmm. much like a weight set point. And 50 percent of that happiness set point is inherited. It's our genes. Hardwired, there's nothing we can do about it. 10% are life circumstances, meaning, um, and the choices we make, like, are you living in a free country? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have enough to eat? All of that sort of thing. And the remaining 40% is a choice. It's huh. based on our habits and what we do on a daily basis and, and where our mindset goes. And so uh, uh, Earl Nightingale wrote a book called The Strangest Secret. Huh. And his philosophy is we become what we think about most of the time. Which 
which is amazing. But look back 2000 years earlier and Buddha said, what we think about, we become. Right. So I love learning about language and the words we use. And those two thoughts are really synonymous almost. But one philosophy is over 2000 years ago, and then Earl sort of innovated it. So another exciting thing to me, right, is we get to innovate and, and reinvent and recreate and all of that. It's age old philosophy that still applies today. Earl Nightingale, plagiarist. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing um, from Buddha. You, you yeah, know, Buddha's rolling over his grave. What the heck are you doing, Earl? <laughs> <laughs> Right. And although, Jeffrey, to, to that point, it's like, I more picture Buddha going, way to go, way to go, Earl, right? Because every time oh. you can bring a new audience, the same philosophy, you know, you're really sure. right. carrying it's a different on the generation. legacy. Right, 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 um, right. The catch is that our minds are not wired to make us happy. Our, why, our, our minds are wired to keep us alive. Yeah. Right. It's the fight or flight mechanism we learn about as kids. It, it couldn't be truer even today. It always most likely will be. So we're fighting against a lot of negative bias on a daily basis. And it takes a concerted effort to feed our brains the positive stuff that it's going to keep us moving on a daily basis. Yeah. Brene Brown talks about that a lot. She gives and uh, mm. I forget what which which talk she does, but one of them, she gives a, a visualization of a family in a car during a snowstorm and the music gets louder and, and louder. And then she says, OK, what happens? And virtually everyone says they hit a deer. There's, you know, something yeah. everything is bad so we are to your point we are hardwired for negativity we, we, we wait are, for the I other re I remember shooter that drop. Do you remember that yeah, yeah yeah totally i loved it it's it's brilliant yeah and it's part of 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 play you can't play when you're when you're cranky so happiness and and play go together perfectly so the yeah. deer live uh, it was limping it, it was limping became bambi <laughs> that's right bambi <laughs> <laughs> but part, part of the beauty of, of this, again, and, and I always go to the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset, sure. right? And, you know, there's so many coaches out there, as you both know, right? right? We're, we're all coaches. And, right. and the part of the beauty to me is just that that's the reason everyone needs coaching. It's because we all do. As coaches, we need coaching, right? right? right. It, it's because of that delicate balance within these, you know, six, eight inches, whatever, yeah. between our, our head our ears, our minds are the most powerful computers on the planet. And it's the software. In fact, even at, at this event that I just went to, I heard the most beautiful analogy. I love it. It's like if you have the most high end coffee maker and you're making Folgers every day, no offense, Folgers, but you're making Folgers every day. <laughs> Instant coffee. We, we, we get that. We get that. We get that concept. Right? Yeah. It's like if you never clean out that coffee maker and then you go to put in the most expensive, most premium amazing coffee on the planet and you run it through that coffee maker guess what's guess what you're going to taste Folgers you're going to taste Folgers right? yeah. Yeah. yeah so what do we need to do we need to clean out our coffee makers exactly go, go to the kitchen right now that's right clean hurry go <laughs> not so only that, that. <laughs> So, what? so wait, oh, wait, a little digression, a little digression. So I keep my, so I, I get the coffee beans and the coffee Grinder, that I get. Yeah. And I keep them in the Folgers cans because the Folgers cans are real nice to keep in. So when guests come over, I'm not even thinking about it. I open the Folgers and you could just see them, you yeah, know, yeah. like a really, this is your special coffee. Yeah, and he has okay. the, uh, the what, organic dark roast, really good stuff. And people are like, is this Folgers? Wow, what so, did you do? Oh, it's great. So I appreciate Folgers <laughs> and I had to go through both of those to get the Folgers. Well, actually mom went through one of them. Anyway. I, 
Um, I, no, no, I, I love that. I, I have to say, I, I think for your next uh, di dinner party or, or breakfast party or whatever, I think you should hire an actress to put on a wig and come in as Mrs. Olsen. There you go. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> been making my coffee forever. Uh, oh, no, we can't just go Mrs. Olsen. We'll have to get uh, uh, Don Jose at, Don Jose. Yeah. With, <laughs> out the outer window and have a have a donkey and then uh, there you go that's funny so um, anyway I have a uh, question wait oh I wanted to ask about how you think social media is mm, affecting our happiness because mm, you hear all the time about kids getting depressed <clears throat> and, and committing suicide and, and you know it's it's a fake life sort of thing you know it's such a real problem yeah Rona, it really is and, and I see if I kind of witnessed this firsthand in, in my own family yeah. a, a lot of the time I mean you know all, all we see are people sizzle reels right and and there's you know there's nothing i i get the psychology behind it i i did it for so many years i plan on on really hitting it hard again coming up on social media because mm -hmm. i've been away from it for a while positive way though not the sizzle reel kind of way but just yeah. bringing more positive content it's so it's so important to just have that awareness because again it's so easy to forget we hear about this sort of thing where but the but the bottom line is this never compare yourself that is a losing game right never compare yourself and it's hard to keep that again in our in our minds day to day because it's just something we tend to forget but always realize what's going on and understand that we're all on the same journey well same and different right like as human beings we have to battle the same things mm -hmm. but each of us has no idea where the other has been yeah and so that's why it's so important to just keep judgment at bay you know eliminate that criticism that criticizing voice not not only directed outward but more importantly directed inward yeah and that self-talk that we have is so important and something else that you know we should be concentrating and focusing on every day how can i turn around that self-talk how can i be my own supportive best friend in my head rather than the judge and jury right make, make, how do i make lemonade right out of lemon yeah so yeah. yeah and ricky right now you've uh, got a new venture going and how are you bringing in happiness and uh your um way to create happiness into your new venture um well again because I love how holistic it all fits together. So right now, uh, I'm helping business leaders, managers, uh, salespeople, you know, anyone who is selling a product or a service. I come in, I do an hour workshop, getting them to think about skills and what it really takes to succeed. I talk about motivation. And again, as I said earlier, what a process, a daily process it is to keep yourself motivated and moving forward. Systems like time management, when you really drill down into that, there's no such thing in a way as time management. It really comes down to self-management and how you invest and spend your time. So, and I do it just kind of in a holistic way, helping people build their best versions of themselves that they can, both in, in business and at home. Nice. So what, can you share some tips for maintaining more of a positive mindset? When, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry, no. Yeah, no. Um, you know, whatever. When, when dealing with, with uh, yeah. social media, when dealing with um, uh, family members that are having trouble, some of the negativity watch news yeah uh, in business uh you right now a lot of people don't want to be disturbed they don't answer their phones they don't so it's particularly tough on salespeople. it is that's a, it that's really a great is. point and so i mean just a, a few things that are coming to mind first of all gratitude having gra that attitude of gratitude is everything and i know it can sometimes yeah, sound hear so that. Right, hear right. That. gratitude and i'm the one who always who who journals in the morning <laughs> 
Right. No, I meant toward me. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Thank you, Jeffrey. I'm nothing without you. Okay. Always be grateful for that union that you guys have. That's I think right. It plays we wonderfully. Are wonderful I, I love your your banter and your. It, it's awesome. It, it really you. is. And so, but truly, that attitude of gratitude is everything because it's it's the scale right of gratitude and entitlement. And the more gratitude you have, the the lower and more at bay you can keep that feeling of entitlement. Because Did you hear that? At the right. <laughs> Ease up the entitlement. Go for the gratitude. <laughs> Sorry. At the end of the day, really, you know, it's I'm gr- uh, personally I'm grateful for every breath I take. Crazy as that sounds, 2007, I walked around for two weeks with a ruptured appendix. I ended up having to beg them to give me the ultimate test, which was a CAT scan. I'd been to the ER. They sent me home. I went back to the clinic. They sent me home. I went back and begged. They gave me a CAT scan. They said, we have to admit you immediately. You have a ruptured appendix. Wow. I spent six days in the hospital, you know, with a dread getting rid of all the poison. I was so lucky that it walled itself up. I was one of the handful of people that happens with. Honestly, like there's not a breath I take that I am not grateful for. And um, so that's a big one. Forgiveness is another huge one. My wife and I literally this morning we woke up, we we were talking about her dad, you know, who's been in and out of the hospital and all of this personal stuff that's going on. And there's a lot of anger. There's so much there to unpack. But just the long story short, when you hold on to anger, there's nowhere for it to go. And a lot of times we harbor this anger and resentment and hold grudges against people who may have hurt us. And she's looking at you, Jeffrey. (laughs) Um, You know, the bottom line is when you harbor that anger inside, you know, we all know garbage in, garbage out right. in computer language. Well, it's more like garbage in and garbage stays and festers and grows and there's nowhere for it to go. Yeah. A lot of times we think we're hurting that other person by holding a grudge or, or having a chip on our shoulders. But truly, the only one you're hurting is yourself right. because it's it's toxic. It, it really is. You're giving so them power, you it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you can let it go and release it, that is the greatest gift you can give yourself. Yeah. And, and then also serving others, you know, it's I learned this in my new company. It's hard to be nervous when your heart is on service. Oh, nice. Right. It's it's really true um, yeah. when you're and in, and in sales, right, as salespeople, it's like serving. In fact, um, Dave Brown, who I'm working with now, is, is about to release on August 1st, I think, a book called Servant Selling. And it, that's what it's about. It's about servant leadership, servant selling and really focusing on your client, your customer, your prospect. When you will when you take it off you and make it about serving them if it makes sense for them and in a way that's going to help them, you know, um, all of that stuff, all of that really gets you to that point of mission, purpose, serving, and that helps raise that happiness set point, right. I believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. That's very And cool. uh, we've got pictures behind you. So it looks like the... Um, well, we talked about the Golden Girls. The Golden Girls. What are the other ones? Uh, uh, the three, is that the... Three Stooges? No. no. It's, wait. What? The, on that side. On that side. I can't see no, no, that no. far. So that, that's from a night gallery episode. I was in with Edward G. Robinson, who played my grandfather. Is that the so, Sin Eater? No. Oh, say? say Sin Eater? What, what was the name Sin of the... Eater episode, the Night oh, Gallery. Oh, no. It was called The Messiah on Mott Street. Okay. And it was a very unique episode. Yafet Koto played uh, the postman or mailman uh-huh. who really turned out to be the Messiah. Oh, my. And oh. saved my grandfather's life. And it was pretty amazing. Tony Roberts played his doctor. Wow. Huh. It, it, was a pre- it was a pretty great episode. And, and, and Edward G. Robinson 
Robinson, you know, one of Hollywood's biggest legends. Right. I'm working with him when I'm nine years old. Oh, wow. He was the sweetest angel of a man. Aww. We exchanged holiday cards for, for several years after. And, That's uh, lovely. It was, a, it was a wonderful, wonderful journey. Uh, it sounds like you, you met some really interesting, fun yeah. people. Yeah. A good life. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. blessed. Very blessed. So Not to say that, you know, uh, listen. So, we, go, I'm yeah. sorry, go. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. And no, then, no, uh, I was just going to say then. again, I, I don't want to, you know, we all have those shining moments and we all have those really dark moments. Mm -hmm. And just to, you know, people should know you're not alone. We all have them. The question comes down to what are we going to do about it? And what are you going to do about it? Right. And the only way to deal with it is by learning and taking action. Right. So are you still carrying a SAG card? So for SAG-AFTRA, I took an honorable withdrawal, which oh. means that I can rejoin at any time. So uh, that means you can actually talk about the strike because we, uh, at the actors, the current SAG holders can't talk about it. I can't talk so, about it. I still have my SAG card. So, oh, no, so, okay. so we're going to, yeah. we're going to cover Rona's ears. So <laughs> what do you, what do you think of what's going on? What are some of the high points? And, um, I, I know that trying to get your image, uh, used in, in, mm. per, you know, perpetuity, in perpetuity. Thank you for helping me through that one, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, is, uh, is a huge issue. And that makes sense. I mean, they shouldn't, you should get paid for your image. A hundred percent. And I'll tell you an interesting side note in a, in a minute, but, but to, to that point, it is a huge issue. Uh, AI for better or for worse, obviously is going to be here to stay. And I'm in the director's guild. I, I was uh, 29 years old. Again, another one of the most fortunate occurrences ever while I was on the Golden Girls, got in the director's guild. And, and I just went to our annual meeting and, and we ratified our contract. And so we now have a contract oh, that you. is awesome. And I'm, I'm praying and, and supporting the actors and the writers and right. um, that they can get something similar in the sense that a, a writer needs to be a human being. A director needs to be a human being. An actor needs to be a human being. Uh, otherwise, where where are we headed? You know, right. I mean, Avatar, Avatar. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I do. Have either of you watched the show Suits by any chance? Sure. Yeah. So I, I, it was, I think it might've played on USA or Bravo, what one of the cable stations owned by NBC Universal and, but it's now on Netflix and my wife and I have discovered it. We have binged, I think we're on season now. <laughs> seven I love it. Eight, I loved it. Right. And so there was one plot point where, you know, Donna who plays his uh, Harvey's assistant and she's mm -hmm. just amazing and this awesome, you know, powerful lady and everything. And there was a point where they, where the, their IT guy, Ben, Benjamin created the Donna and created this sort of AI version of her that was just a little box and it was so fascinating to me because again that was from several years ago and look how relevant that is today yeah because the, the one thing it was missing was her empathy right but then the more it learned her the more it created that empathy right. and so you know i'll tell you uh it's it's scary stuff in a, in a lot of ways yeah it's i think the the powers that be and you made the point that that there's no there's no contracts at at, at the, the studios anymore well well, they're not contract actors, no, and con so right. they're not they're not tied to a studio. I mean, right. one of the things somebody posted because I've I've got a fair amount of actors that are connected to me on LinkedIn or something like that, or directors or writers, and yeah. somebody did a post that hey, we should move to the independents, you know, get away from the studio. And the studios really don't have that. I don't understand with the technology today why more are not just going independent. Forget it if you're not getting the contract you like, own the whole production. And do you have a comment on that? I mean, I. 
know there's a lot of technical skills involved and people, you know, I want to be the actor. I don't want to be the cameraman and the editor and all these things. Right. I, I just, I have mixed feelings about so much of it just because again, I was so lucky to have fallen into a niche at NBC where all of those years that was a DGA position. And it was so, it, it just, it was life-changing for me. You know, I found such a small niche in, in such a tiny corner of the industry where I was able to just do my job for 25 years. And um, it's not, it's just not that way anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were, a, you were a, a, a VP, weren't you? No, no. I, I, I was an AD. Oh, Two an initials, a, oh. but different ones. Oh, right. Well, so, and what's an yeah. AD? Assistant an director? AD, associate, associate, associate director, director in television. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the program prep department. Okay. So every show that aired on the network delivered to me, I put all of the timings in for where the commercial breaks went. I did all of the branding with the rating icons and the peacocks and lower okay. third graphics. And really what it came down to was I, I was the liaison between all the outside producers and every internal team. Okay. So wow. network operations and broadcast standards and the program execs and on-air promo and making sure that every show aired flawlessly. Right. You know, that is a daily. niche cool. spot. Goodness. I know. Yeah. Because people don't. But how would anyone know that? You know, yeah, it's right. like there, there are a lot of jobs out there. So right. how can people get in touch with you if they want to talk about happiness or, or your coaching or whatever? Uh, well, they can. I'll give you my phone number, Rona. I never thought <laughs> I'd do it. But no, seriously, <laughs> I, I welcome anyone at any time. It's 805-279-4222. I know that only good people listen to your show or watch That's your show. Right. So I don't have to worry about any stalkers or anything like that. But and, and, honestly. Uh, and, and Website? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, so two in two ways online. If anyone would like to just, you know, schedule something complimentary, you're uh, you're welcome to do that at meetwithricky, R-I-C-K-Y dot com. And it's meet, M-E-E-T, by the way. I'm saying that because I'm vegan. I would never want anyone to spell it the other way. <laughs> and uh, and then also Ricky Powell, R-I-C-K-Y, P-O-W-E-L-L-S-W-C, which stands for Southwestern Consulting dot com. Okay. We'll go to my page there. Very Excellent. Good. Very good. Very good. Well, this was fun, Ricky. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us about happiness and, and how you brought it into everything that, that you do. And I think it's a really important thing for people to embrace now, that, that choice of happiness with all the, the, the stuff that's going on. The Michigas, as we say. Oh, I love that Michigas. <laughs> For we, those, we need less. We need we less surus in our lives. That's right. For those, those non-Jews who are watching, look it up. All right. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I got my dictionary right here. I'll there go look go. it up. This is what he has to deal with. What kind of what kind of language is speaking? Anyway, all right. Ricky, that has been great. This has oh, been Jeffrey Rona. Love you guys so much. Thank, thank you. So you much thank for you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. This has been Biz Souls. I'm Rona Lewis. I'm Jeffrey Hansler. We'll see you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Biz Souls podcast with your hosts Rona Lewis and Jeffrey Hansler. Did you have fun? Subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Talk to you next week.